coming back to you from last week where we got shut down a little bit here trying to figure that all out the situation we're right in the middle of uh interviews we're gonna go right we're gonna go back to it we're gonna finish off last week's um but before i do i there's a few things i want to say watch our uh, second episode it's out third episode's coming out behind us with all the deep dives uh see the deep dives uh if you join us up and support us on patreon we need we need support to keep this information coming out and the deep dives are the truths and the secrets and the threads behind the scenes so if you can, if you're interested in what's going on uh, with all this stuff and uh, the road we're going down, you know, give us a shout out. Come out and support us. <clears throat> Again, real quick, I want to do this first. Uh, the two episodes, the first two on Twitch TV, which thank you Twitch TV for being so awesome. Uh, we got uh, signals that we sent out and I just want to let everybody know that those were based on music. The first signal was two songs built in. We just adjusted some of the words and some of the names. The first two songs were, was uh, Mind Control and uh, Many Mountains. A little bit of that uh, reggae stuff. If you guys can find the lyrics and, and hunt that out, you'll, you'll hear some signals. Music and math which you know music is derived from is uh how the signals are coming out through uh human beings over the years so these signals that i'm i'm trying to show you is what's coming out from the music and it's actually mathematical signals um and then on the second episode we had queen's reich silent lucidity they put out a uh, signal through that and uh again mathematics and once you start putting together i just switched out some of the words try to try to listen to that and hear it through and then uh and then american pie i switched out some of the words now american pie was kind of like hey the future potential what's coming uh listen to the signals they're pretty good they they're telling you what's happening right now what's going on breaks things down so it's very important that you can follow those signals shout out to all the people that are listening right now we're we got people listening on anchor uh podcast apple podcast oh you know a bunch of the podcast stations there we've got people from england new zealand uh south africa of course america joining uh us on podcasts so that's great join us here on twitch i'm putting it out there for those people if they can get here and join us on twitch that would be great on uh, saturday nights eastern standard time united states uh time so that would be super great for support um again just you know spread the word tell people about us uh if you like it if you want to know more keep digging with us going back to last week we're going right to where we left off i know it just ended abruptly but something happened with the twitch system i've heard rumors that they're having problems but is it the twitch channel system or is it the system system so anyway we're going to keep going forward. We're going to make a few adjustments, but here's where we left off from last week uh, with an alien abduction. We worked all day, got off work, and he asked me, he said, do you want to go fishing? They went fishing on steel docks off the Pascagoula River, past a no trespassing sign, when he says the extraterrestrial happened. And it was bl so bright it was blinding, and these lights was coming from inside a crowd. And then before we knew it, we both stood up and was already turned around and looking. It was three, uh, I can't say where they was from or what they were, but it was like a robotic creature because they moved mechanically. And they got to us, two of them got a hold of Charlie, one got a hold of myself. The very minute that they grabbed me, I felt an injection in my arm. They lifted us and took us aboard this female looking creature, she came out. Now she had regular facial features, ears, eyes, nose. The only difference I seen in her than what we would, and 
if you think about it and look at your hands, these two fingers right here are longer and they was just a little bit longer than ours on her. And she took this right hand and she run it up my, down the back of my throat. Well, I started choking. He said the beings who took him made it known they did not mean any harm. And that's when he picked me up and they carried me out, sent me back down by the river. A story that dominated the front page of the Mississippi press for over a week. UFOs were the talk of the state. NASA got involved. Police lines were busy 24 hours a day. The Air Force, they spent their own money to come down here to investigate this and to talk to people and interview witnesses and things. Hickson and Parker gave matching statements to police, passed polygraphs and lie detector tests. But one reporter wrote security cameras in the area showed nothing that night. Others questioned the legitimacy of the polygraphs. The spotlight was too much for Parker. This happened in 1973, and I never, ever had told none of my family what happened. He lived on, on the run, basically, from, from society itself, because, uh, of course, he, people thought he was crazy. That was the uh, second person there that was abducted uh, at the same time off of the first two interviews. So, again... Some people, you know, come out and talk about it. Some people run away from it. And then some people don't remember it until they're uh, hypnotized or something happens traumatically and that uh, that gets them kind of woken up. So now we're flipping over to uh, the Glenn Davis interview. Now, now Glenn Davis, just a real quick background, basically owned a funeral and he would help the military out with, you know, caskets and whatnot and helping them preserve bodies for crashes or uh, incidental deaths or whatnot. He got caught up in it. This interview was from 1990 when he came out and talked about it. Now, again, we're following the threads folks try to find out what's going on and see what we could do um, and put these things together but here's a, a little interview now i'm going to be cutting through a little bit to different spots to hit the highlight bear with me for a couple seconds as we go through it but i just figured you'd want to key in this and then we're going to go to some actual how it would feel if you personally were abducted what you might go through so everybody kind of gets the feeling of what's happening to people out there out in the after early afternoon around probably 1 30 in the afternoon i received a telephone call from the mortuary officer out at the walker air force base army airfield base and uh, he was requiring inquiring about what would be the smallest possible casket that we could get that would be hermetically sealed and uh, at that time I know that we had used like the fourth feet and uh, caskets we had used those before but I thought they also made them in a three six so uh, but I he wanted to know if we had any in stock and I said no but I if I can make a call to Amarillo I can have him in you know by seven o'clock the next morning on a truck so he said I'll get back to you and uh, that was the first contact that I had with the base and then, what? then he called back uh, oh probably 45 minutes or so later and he said I need to ask you some more questions he said in case something like this should happen, he said, we, uh, we need to know what the preparation, what, how, what your preparations are for the bodies. 
that had been laying out in the elements, you know, and uh, you see. They're, they're really keying in on this guy. Again, this is Walker Air Force Base that he uh, supported. Um, again, you can go online and find the, the Glenn Davis interview, but, you know, we're trying to connect the dots here. So we're going to go over to the next portion where he just, we're going to zip forward here and continue on. Well, you know, we don't really have anything. He said, we're sitting here thinking in case we should get involved in something like this, you know, what would be our preparation? What, what would, should we do? Then I, you know, I went through, I said, do you really want to know how we would do it? Well, yes, you know, we would like to know. So that's when I explained to him that we would have the vats that we would fill up with a, with formaldehyde solution with water. And we put the bodies in them, uh, let them stay there for 24 hours and then take them out. And uh, then we would pack the bodies in the, would be a sawdust and really a lime, uh, what we would pack them in, then wrap them in the plastic. That's bodies that were badly decomposed. If there was tissue, deep tissue, we would have to do it hypodermically uh, with needles to get to the deep tissue. Then we would have to aspirate the cavities if the cavities hadn't already ruptured and then put some cavity fluid in those. I said that's, you know, kind of normal procedure. Okay, so that's the next portion. Now we're gonna we're gonna clip on down the road, <clears throat> down the road here, and uh, jump into the next section because it gets even better, folks. So imagine imagine uh, you know being a funeral director and uh, being called up to the base to handle all this stuff, and you walk up on this. Time I turned around, it was uh, there was another officer said, "Hey, wait a minute," and I said, uh, "Looks like you had a crash." He said, I see there's some, you know, in the ambulances the out there, I see a lot of wreck. And I said, where was the crash? And he said, there wasn't any crash. And he said, uh, then he said, just wait a minute. And then I, you know, stood there for a minute. He turned around and evidently he must have waited for somebody else to come out because there was another officer coming out. He said, this man says there was a crash out at the base. He said he wanted to know about, he was inquiring about our crash. And this was when I encountered, he was a red-headed officer and uh, very nasty, very uh, uh, rough. He said uh, he did not see any crash. There was not any cat crash. And he said, uh, you get the hell out of here and you didn't see anything and you don't talk to anybody. He said, you're going to get in hell a lot of trouble. And I said, look, I'm a civilian. There ain't a damn thing you can do to me about it. He said, no, but somebody might be picking your bones out of the sand. That's when he made the remark there. Then there was a black sergeant that was standing beside him. And he said, yeah, but he would make better dog food for our dogs. Of course, I didn't understand that. But my father happened to be an old trapper and for a hobby and everything. And I said, my father uses guys like you for bait and these coyote traps. And then there was two MPs that joined me right on, took me outside, and each holding me by my elbows, and they escorted me out to the back to the ambulance and followed me all the way back to the funeral home. Now, I don't know what's going on with our military, but let's just think about this for a second. One is, why would they threaten somebody's life? Is it that important? Was it that important at the time? Obviously, it was something serious enough that they wanted to shut him up. 
you know, this guy's just a normal guy, and he's telling a story about how they tried to shut him down and, and keep him quiet. So um, let's move on to the next little clip, and uh, it keeps getting better. I noticed that the doors were open, and, and uh, they, but what was odd about it, there was an MP standing beside each one of the vehicles in the back, standing there. And the doors were open. Naturally, I was curious, and, you know, I just happened to look in. That's when I saw some debris or it looked like parts of a plane or something that they hadn't had a crash. Because I've seen them do this a lot of times, bring in pieces in the old ambulances in. Can you describe the debris? Yeah, they were, I noticed in two of the ambulances there was some debris that was probably two and a half to three feet, you know, long and probably high that was propped up on the side of the ambulance there. They were kind of in the shape of maybe like a half a canoe. They they were uh, like the front part of a canoe. But, you know, it looked like it looked like it might be aluminum, but it it looked more like it was the metal looked more like stainless steel that had been heated. It was blue, kind of a bluish tint to it. But what was odd about it? It looked like around the curved part in the front of the canoe there was some had some. Uh, designs or something it kind of reminded me of maybe some Egyptian signs or whatever and it was probably about three inches in high and probably the length of what the wreckage I saw it looked like it was and the same thing was in in the other ambulance too I mean I saw practically the same thing all right so here he is uh, telling that on this crash there was hieroglyphics. Uh, he's not the only one. Most people that have seen the ships or have come up upon the wreckage or um, even back in uh, the Roswell uh, incident, that was one of the par pieces or parts that came out with uh, hieroglyphics that, that found and reported on. So the, the real crazy part is, is that, you know, here he is trying to tell a story and crashes are probably happening all the time. And how many people out there have stories to tell, and they're not telling them. We need to somehow get to people to tell the stories and find the c connections, find the, the threads and the uh, correlations and make it, you know, figure it out. So uh, let's continue on with this interview. It's pretty good. When I, then she pulled out of a little purse or little pocketbook, whatever she had there, she gave me a little diagram that she had that she had drawn some some uh, figures of uh, of some arms and the uh, face and so on. She told me that this is what you know was what was in those uh, that it was a crash, it wasn't an airplane, but they didn't know what it was at that time. Yeah, but she said we have three bodies. That there was three bodies. She said two of them were very mutilated. One looked like it might have walked out or that it, you know, might have lived a, a little while. And she explained they were like three and a half feet, four feet tall. Two of the bodies were, the, uh, you couldn't identify much because they were practically destroyed. And it looked like maybe that they might have been uh, a predatory animal or something might have been doing some damage on the bodies too. How did she describe your head? Well, she said that you had, in the the little drawings that I had, she the way she explained it and the way she drew it, that the heads were somewhat larger than than a human, 
heads. The hands were long, no thumbs. It was just the long, very delicate fingers at the end of the, on the underside at the tip of each finger was a pad-like, uh, maybe a little pad, but it looked like the skin had maybe a little suction, like the little suction cups on those. On the uh, no fingernails on the hands. The head, the lips were very just a long, narrow, more or less uh, not full lips like we would have in a, in most of our people, but very fine lined, very fine lips. Uh, there was no teeth that was the inside of the mouth. It was it was kind of like a real. Uh, the gums, maybe it was, uh, she said, explain it, it was almost as hard as if it was rawhide, maybe, at that. The uh, the ears, there was only two small orifices on each side of the head, with uh, looked like a couple of small lobes that might, some way that might cover both of those, but there was not a protruding ear. And also that the nose, there was only two small orifices in the nose it was there was really no nose that was uh, convex it was all just uh, flush with the uh, the face hey anybody out there that can do artist work or can sketch artists and all that kind of stuff hey this is a guy that you know does work on in funerals and uh, bodies and whatnot and he's describing something here that he saw again it was second hand but you know this is something that he got um let's see if anybody can dig up that sketch artist maybe put that visual together because he pretty much uh, explained it pretty good so yeah the that was a, a pretty much a detailed description of basically an alien so that's where we're heading with this uh let's continue on we only got a couple more bites on this and then we're going to go through the actual abduction experience which uh like I said before, sometimes the truth hurts and you might not like what you see, but uh, it's it's really uh, unique and cool to see and go through. So stick with us. Then uh, I never did see her after that. And I called out the next day to see how she was feeling, see what, and they told me that she wasn't available. Then I wouldn't be available that day. I called the next day and they told me that she'd been transferred. And it was rather odd because she'd only been at the base less than three months. That was her on commission less than three months, and that was her first assignment. So it was rather odd that she would be transferred out, you know, within three months. So here he's talking about an officer friend that gave him information that was in the military. Obviously the Air Force, she was an officer, first lieutenant, and... She was transferred and talking about this stuff. He's wondering what's going on. So let's go to where, what happened to the officer. This will be the last little clip because you need to hear what they do to people who talk. Well, she, all she was, all, the only remark that she ever made was that they definitely weren't humans as we know humans, but they could be from another planet or the doctors were explaining this, that they couldn't be from our planet. They had to be an alien or had to be something else, but not not in our planet. She had a phrase she used to describe how they looked to her. Remember that? She was telling us, a little black Chinaman. Well, she said that 
Well, of course, they were, you know, first thing she said, they were black. They were just as black as they could be, but probably laying out in the elements in, in July in Roswell with a hunt. That was the description from the officer. The extent of it. So then I wrote back to her. This is what happened. Asking her more or less how, you know, how she was feeling and why the sudden transfer, and then I was hoped that she wasn't in any trouble. It was just a short note. I really didn't go into a lot of detail or anything. Then probably three weeks or probably a month after that, then I got the letter that I had mailed to her. It was returned. It was stamped return. And also it's on the, on the red printing it said deceased. And that's the last time I ever heard or heard anything about it. Here we go. That's what happens uh, supposedly if people try to talk, especially if they're in the military. Let's see what they actually said happened to her. Then, well, probably, then I went out to the base uh, a few days later, and I was talking to one of the nurses, and I said, you know, whatever happened to the lieutenant? And she said, well, the rumor is that we heard that she was killed with five other nurses in a training mission in a plane crash, and that was it. Over the years, I've talked to people that have done covert missions for the military, and um, you know what? They say that when they uh, went out on these missions that they didn't have any ID tags, didn't have any uh, military information or anything. So they go out incognito. And I said, well, what, what would happen if something happened to you? You know, I mean, they just can't make you disappear. They got to report back. And they said, no, they said, you know, these, these military people said they would just have reported that you were in a type of a, you know, plane crash or a, a vehicle crash during a training mission and that's uh, and that's what what happened um, and that's what they would report back to the families of, and you know unevent, uneventful uh, horrible uh, tragic accident yeah and then uh, there was uh, another person that I, I actually knew passed away you know just to give you an idea um, before a certain war broke out we weren't supposed to be in any of the zones and the, the guy that I knew was a pilot and you guys know as well as I that they were probably flying into the zones, but can't prove it. But his his jet went down, and um, the report was that oh he was in a training accident, flying on the on the right side of the zone. So um, that's real life. I kind of seen some of this, heard about some of this, and I guess that's what happens to you. All right, so now we're going to get into some exciting stuff. We're going to show what it's like for you to. I'm going to try to walk through, walk you through a uh, abduction scenes put together a little bit here, for you to feel it. Kind of like if you just kind of put yourself in the scene, you'll kind of feel it. So, let's see what you guys can do and see if you can survive the abduction.
So uh, that's up into the ship. Now, you ever wonder, it's kind of like, all right, you're in that scene, you feel it, you get sucked up into the ship, and now you're going to find out what happens to you up in the ship. This is the actual, uh, what they do to you. That was the actual getting picked up into the ship and then somebody actually uh, being worked on by the aliens. Again, uh, like the one person said, uh, they probably treat us like a vet treats a, you know, a dog. Try to calm you down a little bit, make you feel comfortable, whatever. Then they spade or neuter you or whatever, you know, do any type of or put you to sleep. Uh, you really got to try to follow us on the deep dives. Um, because we keep we go into what's going on behind the scenes um, in our video, so and uh, and podcast uh, to get the deep dives though you gotta you gotta become a uh, pat patron on Patreon for us uh, and support the team. But let me tell you something: when you get the truths of each deep dive as you keep stepping through, you're gonna find out more and more and more. Again, support us uh, on our podcast. We're going to keep putting these on. We're going to put the episodes that we keep coming up with. Videos are going on YouTube. Uh, deep Dive, for the number four truth. Um, deep Dive, number four truth on everything so far. And for Apple Podcasts, it's actually F-O-R truth. We're just trying to make sure that, uh, you know, Deep Dive, F-O-R truth. So it doesn't look uh, kind of funky there. Yeah, uh, definitely check us out. Um, spread the word. Uh, I'll be doing bonus podcasts out there for um, in between the episodes. Uh, and uh, if you become a patron, we're going to give you uh, guys access to us. And 
you'll get the deep dives and follow each thread where it's kind of like dominoes we're setting them up one by one so if you're listening hey thanks a lot again i appreciate all the people in new zealand listening to us uh england um south africa uh i really appreciate uh america all the americans that are listening to this the podcast it's really great um great that we got followers uh finally we're starting to get some traction here um and then that way you guys will keep getting the truth and we're going to keep on following this thread right down until what's happening today in the world with the government with the aliens with everybody so if you really want to know more stick with us all right this is big t for truth and uh thanks for all your support and keep on listening and uh, hey be kind to one another love one another um we gotta do its best for our species all right um but i can't do it without people's support i'm just gonna keep putting out the messages and uh someday they'll unlock the deep dives probably a thousand years from now and you guys will be able to hear them trust me they're gonna say why didn't we get that message out sooner uh and people you know making a difference as a species and just basically threading all the needles together so again uh big t for truth here die for truth team peace